pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Sunday, you can't, you, you can't have a testimony without the test. Amen. Is that right? If you don't have the test, all you got is a money. Yes. I've got the whole thing. i got the yes. test and the yes. money tonight. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, for the benefit of Rick and Kate, because uh, they don't know, but I was diagnosed with cancer in uh, March of this year, and it was, uh, by the time they found it, I didn't have any symptoms, didn't have any pain. Uh, I just went to the doctor for a checkup and something wasn't working right, so he tried medication. After a month or two, it didn't work, so he sent me for tests. And long story short, I had uh, stage four cancer. It was already in the lymph nodes, and uh, they said it was the most aggressive type of cancer that you could possibly have. Yeah. It was fast moving and aggressive. Two yeah, I had two cancers, but the one that they were concerned with was a aggressive kind, the, the fast-moving kind. Mm -hmm. And uh, make a long story short, uh, uh, my wife put a seat up front here, and she had the church pray for me the night before I started my chemo. And uh, they laid hands on me and prayed for me. Uh, two brothers here gave me a word, and uh, we felt the spirit move, and uh, just give me a confidence inside. You know, the Bible says we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. Yes. That's a word. And uh, even before that, my wife and I had put together a bunch of healing scriptures and we started uh, meditating on those scriptures and quoting them every morning and just believing God and trusting God and, and walking in faith. And yes. uh, so anyway, I finished the chemo. I had to have a scan, of course, the first, before I had any chemo, and that was a scan that showed this nasty cancer and stuff. And then after the chemo, they wanted to take another scan to see what the progress looked like. So uh, I had that scan that was in uh, August. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was clear, praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. I'm trying to keep my train of thought. Amen. Thank yes. you. And... Uh, but, you know, it's a type of cancer that could come back and, and you know, it's aggressive. But uh, we prayed a prayer every morning and quoted those scriptures. And one of them was that the Holy Ghost was on a seek and destroy mission in my body. Yes. And he was going to go through my entire body, find every cancer yes. cell, kick down every door yes. and yes. destroy every destroy. cancer cell yes. in my body. And that's what we were standing on. We yes. were believing that. And so uh, he had me. I went in for my checkup and then. He said in three months, mm -hmm. we're going to do two more scans uh, to see if we have to do any further treatment. Well, we just refused to believe that I was going to need any more treatment because Nahum 1.9 said that this affliction shall not come upon thee a second time. And so uh, we were quoting that and standing on that. And so long story short, yesterday I had two scans. I had a, a CT with contrast of my pelvic region where it started and my... Uh, stomach and my chest yep. 
and then I had a full body bone scan and I get the results on my chart with Norton but I don't read them because I can't understand them. They just confuse me and then I get, you know, the wrong impression, I, I interpret things wrong. So I send him, I, I, I text my doctor and he uh, looks at them online for me. Well, I text him and says, could you look at my scans? I had two of them this morning, it should be up and out. And so he sends me a, a text, he says, scans all clear. I said, praise the Lord. You know, you guys didn't see me, but I was a lot thinner than this, <laughs> and I was bald-headed, but I wore a hat, I didn't, because some people just don't look good bald, and I'm one of them, so I wore a hat for several months, I preached with that hat on and everything, and so you see my hair now, it's coming out like a little wild, but I'm glad it's there, <laughs> but God is good, amen, his oh, yeah. word, his yes. word works, and, and especially yes. if you'll work it. Yes. God's yeah. word will work. Amen? Amen. And I'm living proof of that. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Well, uh, children have children's Dismiss. church tonight, yes. right? Children, you're dismissed. Yes. What we got here? Four. Five. No, four. Okay. Hallelujah. Well, I want to spend a few minutes tonight. We won't keep you too long, but I want to talk about uh, redemption. I want to talk about redemptive realities and how important redemption is. Every blessing of God that we have today is a result of the redemptive work of Christ. And before we get started, I want to read the definition of redemption. It's the action of someone saving or being saved from error or action of regaining or gaining something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. The action of buying one's freedom. Try to say that while you're eating crackers. But anyway, it's, it's telling us that it's the action of gaining or regaining something that was lost or, or in exchange for a payment. And it's clearing a debt is the action of buying one's freedom. Well, as you know, we were slaves to sin, thanks to our forefather Adam. And so Christ, the second Adam, had to come and redeem us from Satan and from the bondage of sin. And so he paid the price for it, and he redeemed us. He bought us back, if you will. And so we're enjoying that as believers today. But there's some parts of redemption that we don't enjoy only because maybe we just don't know about it. And so uh, we need to know what redemption is and uh, why we have it and how to enjoy it. And so everything that we enjoy as a believer in Christ has been accomplished through the redemptive work of Christ. And we should learn what those blessings are. And so we're going to start doing that just a little bit tonight. I'm going to read some scriptures, quite a few and uh, you can just, you don't have to follow along in the, in the Bible. You can just jot them down, look at them later. But I will read them to you. And I'll be reading out of the King James tonight. Galatians 1.11 and 12 says, Paul was given by Christ himself the primary revelation of what was accomplished in the redemptive work of Christ. As you know, Paul was not one of the apostles of the Lamb. He came along later after uh, Christ's resurrection. He was busy persecuting the church when 
when Christ called them into the ministry. And then he says here, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul didn't get his learning from the, the other apostles or disciples. He may have learned some things from them later, but he mostly taught them. But he was taught of Christ himself by revelation. Uh, he was, I don't know if he had, uh, you know, a visible uh, encounter with Christ or he just got it by revelation, but he spent a lot of times, a lot of time just learning from Christ himself and not the other disciples, not the other apostles. And Ephesians 3, 1 through 8, it says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you had heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God unto, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now see, the other disciples didn't have this privilege. The mystery wasn't revealed to them. It was revealed to Paul by revelation, the mystery of the gospel. At one time, it was a mystery, but it's not anymore, praise God. But Paul's saying that the mystery has been revealed, and it was revealed to him through revelation and by Christ himself. It's been made known. And the four Gospels are like a, a photograph of the redemptive work of Christ. But what Paul received by revelation from Christ, he got an x-ray view of the Gospels. In other words, the, the disciples and the writers of the Gospels, they had a photograph of it. But Paul had a deeper view of it, a deeper uh, version of it. He had an x-ray view of it. He had the explanation of all the things that were in the gospel, and the other disciples and the other apostles didn't get that privilege. So Peter and the apostles proclaimed it, but the apostle Paul explained it. And it raises questions like, what is the purpose of creation? Why am I here? You know, a man has been asking this question for ages, and Paul was given that revelation, and he told us what it was in Colossians Chapter 1. Have you ever asked, why am I here? What's my purpose? I did it one time. So Colossians 1, 16 and 17, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So we're here because we were created by him, and we were created for him. 
So um, you can say it like this. God thought it, Jesus brought it, and the Holy Ghost wrought it. But Revelation 4, 9 through 11 says, And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Why are you here? For his pleasure. All these things, including us, were created for his pleasure and uh, were created to please him. And everything, including us, was created for God. And God is a family man, and he desired a family. God wanted not only a family, but God wanted a big family. Amen? Amen. Uh, a family that he could love and commune with and have fellowship with and to share his riches with. And man was and is the focal point of God's entire creation. We're the crowning glory of his creation. You know, a lot of people uh, think that they're not worthy of anything, that they're they're just slimy worms trying to crawl through life and, you know, get a little nibble here and there. But no, that's not how God created us. God created us to share his riches with. In Proverbs 8.22, it says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world, when he created, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. He's talking about man. This is man talking. And when he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment. In other words, when he was separating the land from the sea, he'd tell the waters, you go thus far and thus far and no further. And the waters obeyed that commandment and they're still obeying that commandment to this day. And when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable, habitable, habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the son of men. So God's delight is with the son of men. His delight is with you and I. And his delights or he enjoys his creation, he loves his creation, and man is the primary reason for all of the rest of God's creation. I'm going to show you something here. Now, if you've been in this church for a while, you may have uh, heard some of this before, and you may have learned some of this, but uh, let's go back to the creation of the earth. In Genesis 1.14, God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven 
to give light upon the earth, and it was so. The firmament, the light, was created to give light upon the earth. Now, everybody knows light is life. You know, uh, the earth was without form and void after that disaster that Satan caused eons ago, and uh, God recreated it. But when he come to recreate it, it was without form and void. And a lot of people think God created it that way. God never created anything without form and void. God always created everything perfect and, and excellent, and it functioned properly. Um, Satan messed that up. And so we have that, that gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. But anyway, uh, he's recreating the earth now. And he says, let there be light. So when light comes back, life comes back. Because there's life in light. Nothing can live without light. And so when the light comes back, the life comes back. And so, uh, again, the reason for the heavens to give light to the earth, the heavens' purpose is to minister to the earth. And as a matter of fact, the whole universe was created to minister to the earth. The earth is the, is the uh, shining star of God's creation because it's going to house his man. God's going to put his man on this earth. So the heavens, the entire universe was created to minister to the earth. Sorry, I got to fool with these papers tonight. My iPad went dead on me. So I had to print it before it went completely dead. But what was the earth created for? The earth was created to minister to and to serve man. It was created to fulfill the, the needs of man. Every need that man could ever have was on or in this earth. And it was in abundance. It is in abundance. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, man's purpose here is to, to, he was created to serve and minister to the Lord, serve and minister to God. The heavens, the universe was, was created to minister to the earth. Uh, the earth was created to minister to man and fulfill the needs of man. And man's, man was created to worship and love God and serve God. Amen. 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 And yet we have man worshiping and ministering to and serving Mother Earth. That's not the way God designed it. Don't tell me I can't chop down a tree. That tree was put here for me. Don't tell me I can't unearth fossil fuels and heat my home with them and power my cars with them and power my tools with them. Those fossil fuels were put here for me. Amen. Don't tell me I can't eat meat. <laughs> Don't tell me when and where I could hunt. And fill my freezer with food. I don't do it. My son does it. But I, I go to Kroger and hunt. <laughs> but don't tell me I can't eat meat. Don't tell me I can't hunt when and where I want to hunt with what I want to hunt with. These are all the restrictions of man. God placed those animals here for us. They're for our use. Not the other way around. We're not to worship animals. Amen. 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 Uh, we're not to be vegetarians because we don't want to kill animals. They're placed here for us. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Ephesians 1.3 says, 
I'm reading, this is a teaching tonight. Okay, if, if preaching breaks out, praise the Lord. But uh, this is really a teaching. It's something that we need to get down in our hearts and spirits. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, past tense, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Uh, that's what we were reading in that proverb, is, is that before the foundations of the world, we were on God's heart. We were in God's mind. He had us created before he even created the earth or thought about creating the earth. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Predestinated us. In his mind, before he even created us, before he even uh, laid the foundations of the earth, we were predestined to be in the family of God, Jesus Christ being our big brother. And, and we were chosen and predestined before God even planned the earth. And, and one of the things that we have to understand about being predestined, we're not, you know, we're not predestinated to work. We don't have control of our life. We're, he's not uh, predestined us to a certain thing. We have full control of our life. We have a free will. We can do anything we want with our life. And, and so uh, to think that we're predestined for something, that's not a free will. But we have a free will. So in Ephesians 3.13, it says, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture we read before this tells us that we're Jesus' brother. He's our big brother. So we're part of the family of God. God chose us. And he wanted a family because he's a family man. And that's the heart purpose of God. That's why he created us was to be a part of his family. And in Genesis 126, it tells us that we were created in the image and likeness of God. Why? Because he wanted us to look like we belonged in his family. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And this just boggles the natural mind. How, you know, God creating us in his likeness and image. Why would he do that? Because he loves us that much. Because he wants a family. He wants his family to look like him. In Genesis 5, 3, it says, Adam lived 130 years and begat a son. How? In his own likeness after his image. And called his name Seth. So Adam was created in the, in the image and likeness of God. And now he's creating children. And they're in his image and likeness. And this is how we keep it in the family. And, and this is the same wording that God used. Adam had a son in his own image and likeness. God created a man as close to his likeness as he possibly could without creating another God. He created us as close to his likeness and image as he could without creating another God. I mean, we're his family. We're his children. We have the attributes and the characteristics of God. He even gave us the, the ability to make choices. 
He gave us a free will. And God has a free will. So, I mean, he just, he created us as close to him as he possibly could without creating a bunch of little gods. And then in Genesis 1.28, it tells us that God gave us dominion just like he has dominion. He gave us godlike characteristics and authority to be under rulers. Under rulers. He's God. He rules everything. But we rule under him. Amen? Amen. That's a tremendous amount of authority. That's a tremendous amount of responsibility. God really trusts his man and his woman. When we say man in the Bible, it's talking about mankind. But man was created perfect in the beginning. Even after he sinned and brought a curse on the earth, he still lived to be over 900 and something years old. It took the devil that long to kill him. That's how perfectly he was made. And I'm sure the devil tried to lay on him every one of the diseases he had. And he couldn't kill him. It took that long to kill him. And then over the years, we lost that type of longevity. Nobody's living to be 900 or, you know, 950 years old today. uh, Because as time went on, we just got faded more, faded more, faded more. And so we don't live, we're not as close to perfection as we used to be in the outer man. So he was created with a free will because God would never take pleasure in fellowshipping or communing with robots. No. You know, uh, we used to, well, I did as a kid, play with toy soldiers. And they did everything I wanted them to do. I even talked for them. And they said everything that I wanted them to say. Well, that's not much of a family. God didn't want a family like that. He wanted us to have a free will so we would love him freely. We would serve him freely. We would come to him freely. Not because we were created to do that. Not because we we had to do that. But because we wanted to do that. That's important to God. Amen? And, you know, it's, it's... it's important to God that we come to him of our own free will and volition. That means that we want him. And we want more of him. And he wants us to approach him. He even told us how to approach him, you know, by the blood of Jesus. And, and come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. He, he, he wants us to come not only to the throne of grace, but come boldly to the throne of grace. It's an open invitation. The... the the separation, the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place is, was rent from the top to the bottom because God wanted us to have free access to him. But how many of us enjoy that type of fellowship with him where we go into his presence? I'm telling you, I was in his presence yesterday and I was in his presence this morning and, and I was thanking him and praising him and I, and I quoted all those scriptures and went right into the throne room of God. I could see myself kneeling at the throne of God and fellowshipping with him face to face. We're going to do that someday. But we can do it now in the spirit. Amen? Amen. And I was just thanking him and praising him for how good he is and how good he's been to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But, you know, God took a chance giving man a free will. Not that he didn't know what was going to happen. You know, he didn't. Nothing ever surprises God. But 
giving us a free will was dangerous. Because having a free will means we make our own choices. And we don't always make good choices, do we? And, and God always makes good choices. God never made a bad choice. God never had to say, uh-oh. No, he always makes good choices. He always makes the right decisions. And he wants us to do the same thing. And we can, we have that ability because we're in communion with him. But we don't. Our head thinks too fast and we make hasty decisions before we had time to do it. You know, I had a prophecy Sunday. I prophesied that there was somebody in here or our Facebook audience that was about to make a life-changing life decision. And they were making it out of their head. And I told them, take the time to seek God's face on this decision. I didn't know who it was. I said, take the time to seek God's face on this decision. And before you make it, get the mind of God. Yes. Amen. Take the time, whatever it takes. Get in his presence and get his mind on this decision that you're about to make because it's going to be life-altering and you can never change it back. I don't know who it was for. Maybe God will show us someday, but uh, I know God gave it to me. Sure as I'm standing here tonight. But man's free will, when God gave man a free will, that was his greatest blessing. But it, I don't know how long it took, but a short time later, in the Bible anyway, just a chapter or so later, it turned into man's greatest curse because he made the wrong decision, didn't he? So we were given this awesome ability to make decisions just like our maker. That's why I said he made us as close to his likeness and, and image as he possibly could without creating another God. And, and, you know, having that ability to make decisions is a, it's an awesome responsibility. We don't realize how awesome it is. We make decisions every couple of seconds. We're making We're deciding what we're going to eat, what way we're going to go home, is the car going to start. Always making decisions. And, and how many times, and that's all right. God wants us to think for ourselves. That's why he gave us a brain. But when, when it comes to something serious, how many times do we get in God's presence before we make the decision? You know, there's so many people that sign on the dotted line, and a month later, that little blessing they signed for becomes a curse, whether it's a car, a house, or whatever. And, and it's because they didn't get the mind of God on it. They didn't seek God. And he's telling us we can come boldly before his throne, get in his presence, ask him. You know, the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. That's how we get in God's presence, is by faith. And, you know, I just have to believe that I'm in his presence. He told me I could come into his presence. He told me how to come into his presence. I followed all the rules, so I believe in my heart that I am in his presence. And I act like I'm in his presence. I talk like I'm in his presence. And I'm telling you, he will always answer your prayer. He'll always answer your questions. It might not be the answer you wanted. It might be a no when, when you wanted it to be a yes, but he will answer you. And, and a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, I, didn't, I didn't hear from God. You weren't listening. 
because God was talking. And God will give you your answer. You just get impatient. And, and you remember, I've always told you when you're making a decision, you have to have the peace of God on it. When you get the peace of God, that's a green light. You go with it. But if there's something rubbing you the wrong way in here, in your spirit, and it just doesn't feel right, or you're being pressured, stop right there. Don't make the decision. Don't sign on the line. Yeah, but this car, it ain't going to be here tomorrow. Well, then God will get me another car. I'm not signing. I don't have peace. And don't make a decision without that peace. That's how we know. I would like for God to come down and say, that's the right decision. I would like to have the, the, the thumbing and, and the, the other thing. What is it? Urim and the thumbing. I would like to have the Urim and the thumbing. So I ask God a question. If it's yes, this one lights up. If it's no, this one lights up. I like to have the black and white stones that they use in the Old Testament where I pull out a white stone and, and, and I'm, I'm free to do it. Pull out a black stone, that's no. Uh-uh. We got the Holy Ghost inside of us now. And we need to get in God's presence and find out what his mind is and then do what God says to do. And you might think, well, I really wanted that car. I really wanted that house. I really wanted that new fishing pole or boat or whatever. Hey, if it's time, you'll get it. If it's not time, God's doing you a favor. Amen. Come on. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 1 says, all things, John 1, 3, all things were made by him. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the same as in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And that's what he's saying right here. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Here's this great light, and they, oh, look at this pretty light. They didn't comprehend it. They didn't know what that light was there for. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus was the true light that lights every man that cometh into the world. Now just hold that thought. He's the light that lights every man. And what it's saying is man is a spirit being. And verse 4 said the life that was in him was the light of man. Every man that comes into the world has the substance of light in him. Has that light in him. Without that light, there is no life. And he is a spirit created in the image and likeness of God. And we're not gods now. We're not gods. Don't say I told you we're gods. But we have that substance in us. And that's his spirit. His spirit is in us. And man's spirit came directly from God. It was breathed into him. We were given this physical house so that we could express our, our spirit. You know, if our spirit wants to praise the Lord, this body has to cooperate. 
Praise the Lord. I don't want to. Lift them hands. I don't want to. No. This body was given to, to express our spirit man. And you, you know, you can praise the Lord on the inside, but until you get this body cooperating and praising him on the outside, he, he's not getting praised by you. So uh, man's spirit comes directly from God. So we should use our body and our mind and our will to express our spirit in the natural realm. Paul gives us some light on this. In 1 Corinthians 9, 26, he says, I, therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body. In other words, he's running with a purpose. He's got a goal in mind. And he's not fighting like a shadow boxer. He's, he's planning every strategic move, and he wants his bows to land when he throws them. And he says, but I keep under my body. Who's the I and who's the body? And bring it into subjection. The body is a it. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So he's teaching us here that the I is the real man, the inner man, the heart, the, the, the heart of man. That is the I. The body is an it. It's a possession. He speaks of the body in a possessive tense. He's saying, I uh, buffet my body. I bring my body into subjection. So the real you is on the inside. This body is a possession of yours. And you are to control it. The inner man. The real you. The spirit man. You're to control this body. Because the flesh will do anything. The flesh will do anything. There's no limitations to the flesh. It will do anything. Just read the news or listen to the news. You'll find out I'm, I'm telling you the truth. The flesh will do anything. Especially if it's on drugs. It will sell its mama. There's no limitations in the flesh. That's why Paul said, I keep under my body or I keep my body under control and I bring it into subjection to what? The inner man. Yeah. Why? Because the inner man is connected with God. Yes. Amen. So he's making a definite distinction between the two. We're not just one person. We're a spirit. We live in a body. We have a soul that consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's a triune being, just like God's a triune being. Then in Galatians 2.19, it says, For I, though, for I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm running out of time, but I got good news for you. I'm running out of papers too. And then Romans 8 or 228 says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one 
inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. So I'm a Jew. I was born Italian. I have an Italian heritage, Italian body, but when I got born again, I became a Jew. I was adopted into the family of God. Hallelujah. I can call him Abba Father now because I'm adopted. I'm just as much a Jew as a Jew that's walking around on Israeli property, speaking Jewish, worshiping in the temple. I'm just as much a Jew as he is. Paul said in Romans 1 9, I serve God with my spirit. Now we serve him with our bodies too. When your when your body's in line with your spirit, might be my battery, Matthew. Don't, don't worry about it. But when your body's in line with your spirit, then that's when you go on the mission field. That's when you help the poor. That's when you go to hospitals and visit people and lay hands on the sick. You got your body cooperating with your spirit and doing the things that God wants you to do, and you're serving God through your spirit, but also through your body. He, he said we're to have these members under control. Yeah. Paul said, I buffet my body daily. He has to beat his body into subjection, and we do too. I've been retired a number of years now, but I used to beat my body into subjection every time that alarm clock went off because I didn't want to get out of bed. I grabbed myself by the collar and said, get out of this bed. My body didn't want to. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> For we are the circumcision. We're circumcised of heart. Uh, the Jew the, is circumcised of the flesh. But we're circumcised of heart. His sign of the covenant is a circumcision in the flesh. Our covenant is a circumcision of heart. It's all about the inner man. For we are a circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So we should worship God from our spirit. It starts in here. It's expressed out here. One more scripture and I'm going to close. John 4.23 but the hour cometh and now is, the hour is now, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. We worship in spirit and in the word. Amen. Thy word is truth. Yes. So it's thy word that's truth. So we're worshiping in the spirit and the word. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And we're made how? In his image and his likeness. We're spirits too. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. In spirit and in the word. You know, one, one day, uh, should the Lord tarry and we go by way of the grave, I don't believe I'm going by the grave. <laughs> I believe I'm going through a hole in the sky. Amen. But if we had to go by way of the grave, all it is is, is your spirit man comes out of this earthly tabernacle, this earthly house. This house lays down. I don't care what happens to it after that. But the real you goes to heaven. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. 
And when this body lays down, you can cremate it, you can bury it, you can kick it to the curb. It doesn't make any difference. I'm going to be up there. Amen. Amen. Rejoicing with my father and my big brother Jesus. Amen. And all those loved ones that went before me. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We bless you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for an x-ray view of the plan of redemption. I know we just scratched the surface tonight. Maybe we'll be able to dig further some other time, maybe next week. I don't know. We'll see however you lead me. But we thank you for this in, inside, in-depth look into man and creation. Hallelujah. You have a purpose for everything. God, we have a purpose on this earth. All we have to do is get into your presence and find out what it is. And we're anointed and appointed to fulfill that purpose. You wouldn't give us a purpose if we didn't have the anointing to fulfill it. So, God, if, we're, if we don't know what our purpose is, show us. Show us what our purpose is. Show us what our mission is. Show us what you want us to do to serve you in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We thank you and we praise you for the word that comes forth tonight. Thank you for the understanding and the revelation. And God, I pray for this body before they leave here tonight. They'll have a safe journey home. Ministering spirits and guardian angels will go before them and trip every trap and snare the devil set before they ever get to it. And they will make their journey prosperous and successful, just like Abraham's servant when he was sent to find a bride for Isaac. That angel went before him, made his way prosperous and successful. So we thank you, Father, they'll be home safely in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord. Thank you.